got an incredible guest here today. She is a celebrity stylist. She has an incredible rags to riches story, and I am thrilled and honored to be in her presence with a great bottle of wine I took from a Sacramento <laughs> Airbnb. So Joey Tierney, I think, did I pronounce that right? You did. Thank you for being here with us today. Happy to be here. Tell me uh, like everything about you. I want to start from the beginning. So you are a celebrity stylist and you have toured with Britney Spears to some of the top bands ever invented. Where did you begin? Um, where did I begin my career? Yes. Okay. I, it's an ironically odd beginning. I began actually touring with Britney Spears. <laughs> and how did you actually get that gig though? Like, where are you from? Let's start with that. Okay. I'm from Orange County. Uh, I, I grew up in Costa Mesa where well, I graduated from Costa Mesa high school. I very, very, very quickly realized I wanted to move to LA and I moved to LA. I was working as a receptionist in in an, a uh, it's a editing bay, and I was literally doing stand up comedy. I met a girl, and she was like, "Oh, I'm a stylist." I was like, "What is a stylist?" And basically, three months later, I was on tour with Britney Spears. So that's obviously not normal. That's <laughs> it's not, not normal. normal. I know it feels weird to even say that's not. <laughs> it usually goes but right. I feel like luck is a huge part of being an entrepreneur and being successful getting in with the right people but also having a certain passion for whatever industry you're looking to get into so where and when did you know I know you said that you were doing stand-up comedy which is what you told me off the air prior to us starting <laughs> filming but where did you when did you know that you wanted to even get into fashion um you know, I never, I, I didn't grow up thinking to myself, oh, I think I'm going to be a fashion stylist or I think I'm going to have this like presence in the fashion industry. But once I actually started touring with Britney, you know, we wake up in a different city every day. We have an entire sewing team with us. And once, well, with Britney specifically on that tour, we had eight dancers, 16 costume changes, and we had basically were doing like live shows five days a week. So every morning, once we worked out all the details that needed to be done to reset each show, I would have free time with the sewers. And what I realized very quickly is that I loved designing. Mind you, because I didn't go to fashion school, I didn't know that I actually needed a pattern. <laughs> so although I did take the note that I love designing when I got off the road after, I don't know, three and a half years, I thought I'd put together a little line. Obviously I had the attention of most PR people in the business that, that were savvy, just obviously finishing a tour with Britney Spears. She was the biggest star in the world. So it was like at my fingertips, what, what, what was possible. And I, at that time, was dating a singer, songwriter, artist, and I thought, oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take his artwork and I'm gonna silk screen it onto fabric and I'm gonna make clothing. So that's what I did. I made a piece of clothing with zero patterns, but I made several pieces. And when I booked my ticket to New York to take these meetings, I'd sit with a few different buyers and they were, they were like, uh, yeah, I'd like to order like 15 of these. Or, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know the exact number, but I'm just, I mean, it was a long time ago. But I was like, oh no, there's just one. <laughs> and they were like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> because that's how naive I was. I just, I just didn't understand. And I was just literally working off the art of loving to create 
clothing, you know, or pieces or whatever. So to back up, because your story's so amazing <laughs> for all of you guys listening, she's really fa- fascinating and phenomenal. So you're originally from Orange County, California, which is pretty much a, known as a pretentious, very upscale community about, I think, an hour and a half from like West Hollywood, much. LA. And yeah. that's where you were born and raised, correct? Yeah. And what was it like for you growing up there? Tell me about what it was like growing up in that area. So I wasn't raised traditionally. I, uh, at six years old, was put into uh, a children's home called Orangewood. At that time, it was called Albert Sitton Home, but uh, I, I was six years old, and until I was 18, I was basically in and out of, it's, you know, when you're, on, when you're in the system, it's called when you're in the system. So I was part of the system, which is um, children's homes and... You know, it's not, um, a lot of people associate it to, like, juvenile hall, but it's not juvenile hall. It's actually, like, a program, like, a facility that has created this wonderful environment for kids that just don't have parents that are capable of taking care of their children. So, or, and I don't mean just financially, I'm speaking mentally as well. Do you know what I mean? Just actually just all together like they just actually are just not ready to have kids (laughs) and and other more severe situations as well but I was fortunate enough to be uh put into Orangewood and I was in and out of the system I left on my 18th birthday so living in that environment so I lived in Orangewood I guess I left Orangewood when I was 13 and was finally put into... I mean, I was in and out, by the way, between 6 and 13. There was... I spent a little moment with my biological father and lived with him, and that didn't go over well. Anyway, I left on my 18th birthday, but from 14 to 18, I was actually in a group home, which is like an emancipation home. So I was able to attend like a regular high school and I cannot even tell you how it changed my life. Like that's where the reprogramming of like your mind and your spirit, like that's where it really happened for me was at that particular group home. Looking at you right now, most people probably would look at you and think you're some like well-traveled, amazing, you know, come from a wealthy family, kind of California, blonde hair, blue eyed girl. (laughs) Um, But it's interesting that you didn't have that background and you didn't really necessarily come from a trust fund because I think that there's a conception, a misconception that you need to come from connections. You need to come from money to break into this industry, to become successful. But you've shown that you didn't need to do that to get into this industry. Do you think that your childhood and those experiences kind of made you or made you more passionate for success or that they got to you at some point? So there is this very special moment that I had I think I was like 11 years old and I happened to be on the streets at that time I was sleeping in a field actually in Huntington Beach and I remember looking down at my outfit well also being in Orange County it's very judgmental like immediately even when you're young you can pick up on it's a very judgmental atmosphere as I mean it's judgmental everywhere. It's judgmental in LA. In LA, it's judgmental everywhere. But I remember looking down at my outfit and being like, you know what? 
and by the way, I was 11 years old and I can look at an 11 year old girl now and be like, what, what, what the hell? I I can really trip out on it myself. But I vividly remember being like, oh my God, okay, I have my Ked sneakers. I've got my blue, yellow, pink socks stacked. Like nobody's going to know what my situation is. Like I basically was able to camouflage myself via fashion Mm -hmm. to fit in with everybody. And, or in my mind at that time, I felt like I needed to, right? And, and I guess what I realize now is that even when I had that break meeting, meeting the girl that put me on tour with Brittany when I was like, I don't know, I think I might, might've been 23 or something or 24, very young. And I, I can go back and go, you know what? Like I always, fashion was always my forte like I it was just always part of what I was supposed to do and it actually put me in the fast lane of like I just wanted to be part of high fashion like I remember I remember like I've had these like blessings throughout my entire career like like one of my very very dear friends had a show and in the moment I and it was like a reality show and in the moment I remember being like well I'm here doing this reality show that by the way like flew us to Miami and like put us up in this like amazing hotel and we had the best time ever in my head I was like I should be shooting the cover of Vogue (laughs) right but I can hindsight go back and think you know what in that moment I don't know like after that episode aired one of the girls from my group home found me on social media I I think it was like Facebook who knows it could have been like what was the other one before? MySpace. 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 It might have been MySpace. I don't know, but I think it, I feel like it may have been Facebook. I don't know. I can't really remember, but she had sent me a, a message and she said, you know, I'm a huge fan of, well, I'll just, the girl, my girlfriend is Audrina Patridge and she was a huge fan of Audrina's. And she said, you know, I was so excited for her show to air. And when I saw the girl on the show with her, I thought, you know, is she thought she thought it was me, and she knew. She said, "I knew it was you when you smiled," but she just like in her mind couldn't like put it together that somehow I'm on this show with her, you know, who she really looks up to, you know, and she admires. And in that moment, I was like, "Oh, you know what she had written to me was." I, I just want you to know that you didn't only succeed for yourself. You succeeded for... I was in an all-girl home, right? My group home. And she said, you succeeded for all of us in the group home. And in that moment, I was like, you know, sh- like, shame on me a little bit for... In that, in that moment, not living it to its fullest and, like, just loving it all the way. Because in that moment, I can remember telling myself, no, you should be shooting for Vogue and you should be doing this and you should be in Paris. And, you know, you just don't know, like God puts you exactly where you're supposed to be exactly when you're supposed to be there, because you may think that you're just, you're just working on your own life, but your life touches so many other lives and you just don't know whose life you're going to touch. And, and obviously in that moment, like that changed, um, the girl that wrote me was named Veronica, like that, that, gave her light and hope in that moment just to just that little like you know that was just a silly moment on on reality tv but for her 
she felt like her sister made it, which made her feel like she made it. It's just, it's the community of like, you know, you go through these traumatic situations in your life and you never know like where time will take you or where your relationships take you or you just never know. Like what, what are the chances that I was going to meet a girl, by the way, at a club in Orange County. And it just so happened that I had been dating the lead singer of this band and she was dating the, I don't know, maybe the drummer of this other band. And we happened to be at the same party in Orange County and I recognized her name and I was like, yo, do you, do you know this dude that was my boyfriend? We'd split up at the time. And she was like, yeah. And all of a sudden that's what the connection was. And then within three months I'm touring the world. Who, who, who could have planned that? And I can remember very vividly that night, specifically this night in the field, the same night about the shoes, I remember just asking God, just saying, God, you know, just get me to a place where, where I'm safe. Like, if you could just get me to a safe place till I'm 18, I have so much to do. And I said, I wanted to travel the world. I didn't say, hey, God, by the way, I want to travel the world with Britney Spears. I didn't say that. In my heart, I was just like, I want to see the world. I want to travel. I want to know the world. I want to know every walk of life, you know. Obviously, I was very ambitious. I was like, I want to speak like 15 languages. By the way, I'm only speaking English. I understand a little bit of French. (laughs) So, you know, that's that. (laughs) Well, that in itself is quite the story. But I find that so many people that have traumatic upbringings find that it's... Or I feel like if you could study, you know, 50% of kids from traumatic or hundred percent of kids from traumatic upbringings, 50% of them, or even 75% would go downhill, would start using drugs, would start partying and, you know, kind of waste their life away. And then there's the other percent that takes that experience and makes it something more beneficial, makes their life something. But it seems like you always knew, even when you were going through this time that you wanted something more with your life. Yeah. I mean, I, I look back at, at my childhood now and I, I am amazed that I am where I'm at. I, I can appreciate my, my process, but yeah, I think that I did always know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know like that I wanted to be a fashion stylist that I, I didn't know the specifics, but I always knew that I wasn't going to let anybody else define who I was. And, you know, I'm a lover. Like, when I love, I love hard. Like, I love all the way. And when I fell in love with fashion and I realized that, like, I have, I have a relationship with fashion that I, I could use fashion to, like, not... Like, I, I was always just so afraid that people were going to judge me. Like, like, oh, or feel bad for me. Like, I never really wanted to be like, oh, I... I grew up in a group home and I lived in a children's home and I just never, I, I don't know. I just wanted people to be like, yo, your skills and your body of work are so amazing. And I wanted them to be, I wanted their, their, um, appreciation for me to be driven from my, my work, not, not my past. And what's interesting is what I'm finding now is that my work is part of my past and part of my path and all of it's coming together right now with this project that I'm working on. But uh, anyway, I don't even know how I... I'm rambling. Yeah, no, 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 you're 
perfect. You're perfect. You're a great interview. Totally right. Um, no, 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 you're good. But um, I mean, so you do you agree that you can't let what has happened in your life define you, but you kind of have to accept it and and, and no, and embrace it, it and yeah. love it and be like, yeah, that did happen. And it made me stronger and better and cooler than like nobody can take it away from you. Like, honestly, like, you know, it was like this moment for me, like in my career, just since we're like talking about yeah. career or whatever. Like, I, so I was hired. I had this like homie that I that I met actually at the. Uh, editing bay that I worked at for three years, Bowie Cobra Productions. Uh, oh my God. And when I got the job at, at the studio, I just couldn't even believe it. I'd be like walking around the lot every day. Like, yeah, what's up? I met, I met Hollywood Center studio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody has it was moments. Like these, it was like so big for me, yeah. but, uh, anyway, and that's what I will say about Careers that they're really based on relationships, you know. And so, in this particular instance, I had met this one dude, Mark Lucas, and he ended up, you know, growing in his career as well, where he started hiring stylists. And I remember I was flown one year, I was the head stylist for the BET Hip Hop Awards. And I was like, okay, I'm in Atlanta, right? And I'm like walking around at the award show and I'm like yeah I'm the head stylist I'm like the littlest white girl you've ever met <laughs> in Atlanta in Atlanta yeah. like and I'm so white yeah <laughs> like, quite white <laughs> and it was just I just remember that moment being like you 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 don't know what you don't even know what you're capable of because if you just keep moving forward despite anything and you just like keep like living that dream in your mind like you could do anything and if you can see it around you like I don't know, like, you can literally do anything possible, even if you don't, even if you don't see it around you, you could just do it, because it's just the power of intention, you know, and I just, I just always, I just never wanted to be a statistic, and I just, and I was surrounded by a lot of girls that found themselves in really bad places, and I don't know, I just, that was just a magic moment, I mean, that, that BET, BET hip hop moment was like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm one of the those littlest white girl in Atlanta as the moves. head stylist. How old were you when that happened? Gosh, I was probably 29. Wow, okay. I don't know. But you probably, I, I mean, you must have felt like you were on top of the world. Well, I did. <laughs> but I also feel like you're one of those people who almost doesn't give yourself any credit. You're kind of like me. So you were like, yeah, this is cool for like 20 seconds. And yeah, then like, I was like, thing. this is amazing. But then in, in my brain, I was like, but what does it really mean? Like, yeah. does it really mean anything? Like, it's important for these two hours or three hours while we're filming this live show. But when you walk away from it, like, that is something about my character is that I do find that I often, I... I do, I have had these like incredible, amazing experiences in my career and these like mind blowing moments, but I do always find myself back at like, but what are you going to do next? Mm -hmm. Like, like, that's great. That's great, Joey. But like, let's do something bigger. And what's happening as I'm, as I'm growing as a human being in my mind and my, my spirit and my body, obviously I'm, I'm realizing that I really and what I'm realizing is that I'm capable of working on a project that also gives back, which is rue. Yeah, I mean, well, I want to talk about your hotline, and I still have so many more questions still about, like, you, uh, your childhood. <laughs> so let me start first by asking, okay. so did you go to high school and did you go to college? 
Okay, so I went to high school. Well, first of all, I went to 22 schools total. Wow. And I moved around a lot. Uh, I found myself at the last uh, group home, the last place that I lived. I actually, like, it, like, stuck. And I remember I was, like, 15, and I remember that they offered me a foster home. And I just, like... I don't know. Like I'd already like started a new school again and I had a new boyfriend, like my high school sweetheart who happened to be a skateboarder. And it was like this moment of, I can, I can just remember like, so when you live in a group home, well, in my specific group home, it was six girls. It was a four bedroom house. So one house is an, one bedroom is an office and three bedrooms are for two girls to share a room. So I had finally found this this house finally where I felt safe and I had this boyfriend that would come in literally like I was only allowed to leave my house for like 30 minutes a day why because it's a group home so you're you're highly restricted like you don't even get a phone like I had a a, like literally in the kitchen was a payphone like like put in a quarter payphone wow (laughs) wow so you know like having the stability of this great guy that would just like what dude at 15 or 16 is going to come and sit in the living room of a group home Not and like many guys. stare at the wall with you right it was a special is this and and by the way like that was the introduction to that skate community that like really opened my eyes and my heart to reprogramming that like family isn't about family isn't about blood all the time like family truly is about like who puts himself in front of you and they say to you like I got your back like I'm with you like we're gonna we're gonna travel together on this path you know who knows how long the path is gonna last but during this time like they are with you and that's that's really like a gift when you can when when you can realize that those people are in front of you you know seems like you're quite spiritual are you have you always been spiritual I mean, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm, I feel like my whole life is just a blessing. You know, like, I can't even imagine, like, how did I, how did all of these magic things happen for me? And I really, truly believe it's because, like, God is with me, and I'm, I'm really fortunate, and I, I also, like, love all the way. Like, so, it's, like, I am blessed with special relationships, but it's definitely, like, I'm, I'm with them as well. It's like a mutual love all the way. And, I mean, you seem to be such a genuine and authentic person, which I feel like, you know, is not common in L.A. And I have not even been here that long, and I already feel like I can't even deal with everybody <laughs> being so fake and unauthentic. It's, it's really true. But I think that the people who are the most successful a lot of the times are the people who have not come from that much and who have really managed to follow their dreams, as cliche as that sounds, and, you know, follow their heart and, you know, become successful from that. So, you know, when you finished, um, when you finished high school and, you know, oh, you yeah, said... I did go to high school. Yeah. I graduated. I was actually the, um, I was actually like the speaker. Wow. Like, yeah. Like the, yeah, like I spoke, yeah, I spoke at my graduation, uh, what is it called? The like, whatever class president. Yeah, yeah whatever kind of it something was. Like yeah, that. I had this whole speech. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then, so then, when did you? Where did you go after that? Uh, well, I graduated, but the way that the group home works is it like I left on my 18th birthday. My 18th birthday happened to fall after my graduation. I think I graduated somewhere in June. I my 18th birthday was in July, 
And I literally moved out of my group home in with my boyfriend. <laughs> That's pretty cliche. Yeah. <laughs> and then you didn't go to college. Okay. So I tried. Okay. I definitely gave it like... You tried. I, I, you know what? I totally tried, man. Like I went... So Orange Coast College was like the obvious college to go to. And I did. I, I did try. I sat in those classes and I sat there and I thought, you know what? I've been, like, sitting in a house. I've been sitting and sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Like, when you live in, like, a group home and you have to, like, think about, like, I also, like, I'd been in also, like, a children's home before that. Like, it's all, and then there's so many other details. So I was just like, wait a second. I'm going to sit here in this college and I could just go out, like, and do what I know what I, like, I had this innate, quality I guess or this like vision where I was like yo I can't sit in this classroom like I gotta go <laughs> yeah you're kind of like the one percent that you know <laughs> that couldn't deal with that I know I was like I this is not gonna work for me and I I very quickly was gone do you think that college is necessary for most young people and importantly getting into this industry gosh I definitely don't want to be the person that says like oh, you shouldn't go to school because I absolutely see that there's benefit to school. I mean, I actually think that I could probably still enroll myself in school. Like, there might be some skill set that I want to learn. But I definitely think that school works for some people and it's a, it's a, I don't know, it's like some people need that regimen, like that daily, like, do this, do this, and they need that direction. But... I mean, every human spirit is different. So, you know, what works for one person, it's like tomatoes, tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Like, what works for one person is going to work for the other person. For me, it felt, like, restrictive. You know, like, for me, I needed to just get out there and go do what I needed to do and meet the... I was so hungry, and I was just... I just wanted to, like, experience as much as I could. And you're right too. I mean, if you're in college and you don't think it's a fit for you, you can always take time off and then go back. But yeah. did you meet anybody when you were in that, you know, when you were in school for that period of time that I think that like when I, by the way, I also, when I got to LA, I, because when I went to LA originally, I thought I wanted to be an actress. And then when I would sit, I would go to these auditions and then again I just felt like people were telling me what to do and I guess I'm just a little bit of a rebel that way where I was like wait what did you tell me like what'd you say <laughs> like I just couldn't I just was not in the mindset to take direction I needed to find my own direction and you know yeah I I, I don't know what, what was your <laughs> if you met anybody in college oh no so I wasn't even in the mindset to like to do that. To you do were that. so passionate I about was just like, else. get me out of here. Yeah. And I just wanted to get to LA. Like LA for me was like the holy land. Yeah. So when you got here and you started, st Brittany was your first client, right? Well, as styling, yeah. As a stylist. Well, not even styling. I was doing wardrobe for the dancers. So I'd be like under stage. Well, obviously like Brittany's changing area is with the dancers. It's like, it's all, I mean, it's under one stage. Mm -hmm. But my specific responsibility was with the dancers and obviously like we became close we, we spent a lot of time on the road and we had some really magical trips <laughs> but yeah like I was focused on working with dancers and figuring out like there was a well first of all there was two head stylists on that tour these dudes Kurt and Bart from New York and 
I remember being around them and being like, these dudes are so talented and they could just like look at a garment or look at something and they, and this is in the era of like, everything was distressed and like ripped up and torn up and totally crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great time. By the way, like ripped up, torn up jeans and then Kurt and Bart would come in with their ironing board and like their bedazzles and like iron on some rhinestones, right? Like they were so incredibly talented and creative and it, it really like, I soaked it up and you know, they don't know my history. They don't know who I am. I'm just like a random girl who was hired to be on the tour to take care of their costumes. But under that sort of creative beauty I was able to like soak soak up what they were doing and like figure out that that was a direction that I wanted to take in my own life like and I was working under a girl that hired me that became my partner later on in a company called Joey and T and you know we had a great run together as well like I, I there's just been like so many magical moments that I can't even believe that it's all my life, kind of. It's kind of interesting when you look back and you realize, but what you made your life become, you know, what your mind led, you know, yeah. what you, you know, what you, what you literally, started doing. Literally from, from nothing, like literally from no parents, no, just actually just like dreaming that you could do anything. Yeah. It's rare that people even inspire me and you're actually very, very, very inspiring to me, <laughs> which is kind of hard to match up to if anybody who knows me. Um, but so you didn't intern or anything. So you, right. So you went straight to working with this major celebrity at the time, but did you have moments of self doubt or times where you were like, I f- I'm intimidated or I feel like I, I don't know what this is going to become or how am I going to make a living off of this? Um, I know this might sound strange, but I, I didn't really have self-doubt. I just really was like, this is what's up. And this is how we're rolling out. And this is what we're doing. And you're either with us or, or not with us. Like, I really have always been with the belief of, like, ride or die. You're either with me or you're not. And I don't know. Like, I'm a human being. Of course, I have moments of, like, I'm going to wake up and be like, I don't know, is it possible? Like, am I, am I absolutely crazy? And most of the time that's yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally nuts and it's totally possible. Like anything's possible, man. Like anything is possible. Like anything. When you stopped working, so you worked with her for how long? Oh my God. By the way, we should talk about that because you want to talk about self-doubt. Okay. Actually, yes, that's true. It does happen. It does. No. Okay. Okay. Because I was <laughs> like, please say no, that. I'm totally it human. No. Okay. No, actually, you're right. So so when I got off the road with Brittany, so when you start with a huge star, you just think you're always going to roll deep like that. Like, oh, no, no. I'm I'm like straight up like we're, we're good, right? And then you're not part of that camp anymore, right? Like Brittany has a new camp. Her management turned over like a whole new team. And I was like well, shoot, like, really? (laughs) Like, what does that mean exactly? And you have to start from scratch. And I had already, like, I was fortunate enough to sort of, like, already roll out Joey and T, but Joey and T hit a wall as well. And then I was really like, okay, hold on a second. So at the time, I had an apartment in New York and an apartment in L.A., and I booked a one-way ticket back to New York, and I was like... Okay, well, I'm going to 
I'm going to be here for a minute, so it's a one-way ticket. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm probably not going to leave my block. Might have a few cocktails yeah, yeah. at yeah. the little bar at the corner. You got to do it. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah, like, no, I definitely hit that, like, moment of, like, wait, what am I doing in my life right now? And because I honestly went into that partnership. So when the Britney thing, like, went awry, like, I was like, well, whatever, like, that's another girl's career. And she, her team took her in a different direction based on where she needed to go at that time. But when the Joey and T thing failed, it was like a real hard hit for me where I was heartbroken because, you know, I literally like, well, it's my own fault. And that's a learning curve. Like when homegirl was like, oh no, my family has lawyers. I was like, that's awesome. Great. But that didn't mean that I was protected. But in my brain, I was like, no, we're both protected because like I said, I'm all in. Like, if I'm in, I'm in. So I didn't ever think to protect my own, like, properties or whatever. So, like, when she called me into my office one day, oh, we had offices, like, downtown Los Angeles on Spring Street. She was like, uh, can we speak to you for a moment? And, of course, they called me into my own office. And she was like, so, um, our investor's going to pull out unless you leave the company. And I was like, uh, what are you going to call it? Like, Auntie? And she was like, no, we own your name. You didn't, you didn't license it to the company. And that was like that moment for me where I was like, damn, you're right. I you didn't. You fucked up. I fucked up. Yeah. Wait, so you didn't, so what was Joey and T? Joey and T was a skirt line that like blew up overnight. And we had just gotten, so Joey and T was what happened when, so remember I said that like, I had this like singer songwriter boyfriend, mm-hmm. his name was Joseph Arthur and I took his art and I put it on fabric. So when I got to New York, I thought that like him and I were going to be like together, right? Like I was like living in a fantasy <laughs> and he was like, yo girl, where are you staying? Of course I acted like I was prepared for yeah. that, but actually I was like, uh, actually I'm not sure, but I called our, uh, travel agency for tour and she set me up in the hotel that we always stayed at on the Britney tour. And she gave me like the lowest rate you could imagine. Like, can you imagine that? I think that my room was $40 a night at the Paramount hotel. Wow. Like, I think that she just like parted the waters for me again. That's just like a God thing. Like for some reason on my path in my life, there's just been these moments of like light that just shines and things are going to work out. So Tanya was my partner. She came to my hotel and she was like, what happened? Blah, blah, blah. She was like, my parents will invest in the company. Just let's change it to Joey and T. So then Joey and T was born. And when she came to me with an investment, I was like, oh my God. To me, it sounded like a million dollars, but it, it, it wasn't. But in my mind, looking back, I could see why it mm. seemed like it at the yeah. time. And we, had, we found great success together. We like, I mean... We had a fashion, our first fashion show. We woke up the next day and Paris Hilton walked in our show. And do you remember, do you remember when Nicole Richie like flashed her boobs on a runway? Maybe. That's, that's my runway. Wow. <laughs> so how did you, how, how did that go? How did, what made that company a, the overnight success? Um, well, when I got to LA, like I was like running around all, like I was out everywhere. I was like running around with everybody. So those were all my friends. Like that's who I rolled out with. Like. Those were the girls that were had my back. Like so when I said 
yo, I'm off tour. I'm going to do this fashion show. Um, at the time, I don't know if you remember the company Von Dutch. Yeah, of Do you course. remember Krishnagier? Yeah. So Krishnagier pulled Tanya and I upstairs, like he had a whole uh, production facility upstairs from his shop on Melrose. And I don't remember how we got connected to him, but when we did, he was like, yo, you have a show in two weeks. You don't have anything. And we were like, yeah. And he was like, you're going to be the skirt girls. He basically created us. He basically was like, you guys are going to be the skirt girls. I'm going to handle all your production. Who's going to be in your show? And then, of course, I was like, well, dude, like Paris, Nikki, Nicole, uh, Amy Osborne, Kimberly Stewart, like everybody just showed up for us. Like, by the way, without blinking, right? Like we had Ozzy Osborne sitting front row at 9 a.m. I mean, it was in the main tent, so it wasn't like, you know, but it was still Ozzy Osbourne at 9 a.m. Yeah, you so know that guy I mean? just really believed in you then. He really put... I think that, like, everybody just, like, you know what? It goes... So let me, so I'll tell you this. So let's just cut through, like, so Joey and T was hugely successful, but her and I as a partnership didn't work out. We separated, blah, blah, blah. I decided that I was going to continue styling. I, I mean, I literally left New York with my tail between my legs, came back to L.A., and I was like, you know what? I called Baruch and I was like, yo, like start me from scratch. I know I'm going to have to work for free. And, you know, I built, built it back up. I'd be on like midnight shoots with Figo Mortison. I'd be like doing like Andy Garcia was on a press tour. I, I just did everything. Like I, I shot everything. I remember being on this like one shoot with him where, oh my God, like that's the thing as a stylist, like details will drive you crazy. Like I remember on this one shoot, like I couldn't get his hem right. I was so, I was literally freaking out. And then when the cover came out, they, they cut him off at the knee, and I was like, dude, I spent so much yeah. energy freaking out over, over that hemline, and it was cropped. <laughs> but, you know, all that time, in my heart, like, I felt like I failed it as a, des- as a designer, and I just wanted to be like, no, I am a designer, too. I'm not just a stylist. Like, anybody can be a stylist, actually. Now I know that not everybody can be a stylist, mm-hmm. but at that time, I was like, no, no, I'm a designer. I'm a designer. I needed to prove myself to myself so every fashion shoot I would do like I'd spend that money and then I'd go and like pay for like a pattern maker here and a pattern maker there all of a sudden I had like a little bit of a sweatshop happening downstairs in my basement of the house that I was renting at the time which I would have like five different roommates like I'd be like oh no you can rent out the hallway if you want or you're staying a week cool I have a couch that's gonna be like 50 bucks a night like no I was a total like couch hustler (laughs) I was gonna say because how is the stylist like starting out you know, how do you even afford... I, I don't know anything no, about that. No, you, like, it. hustle all the time. Yeah. And as it turned out, I became, like, kind of like a mad scientist, right? Like, so I literally had, I don't know, like, 60 patterns in my basement at one time. And uh, I don't know if you know who Davis Factor is. He owns Mm-mm. Smashbox Cosmetics. Okay. Yeah. And he also heads um, Smashbox uh, Fashion Week, right, for mm-hmm. L.A., and he had caught wind that Joey Tierney was like in her basement with all her crazy patterns and he like rolled over one day and he was he was like, Joey, what's going on here? And I was like, Hey Davis, what do you what's what's up? And he, he was like, What's going on here? Like Fashion Week launches in like two weeks or three weeks again with that deadline. And and he was like, We're we're gonna we're gonna make this is gonna be a show. You're gonna show. You're gonna show in the main tent. And I was like, uh, well, 
I, I don't even know how that's going to happen. Like I need an investor. And all of a sudden an investor happened like, and then of course, right after the show, the stock market crashed. My investors were private bankers from New York and that didn't happen either. Say la vie. Anyway, in the moment though, in the moment of the show, uh, I, I remember in, in the shower that morning, which is where I do most of my most <laughs> important thinking, I was in the shower and I was like, you know what, God, like, I don't really know what's going to happen today, but I know like magic is going to happen. And that was in 2007. And I remember at that show, I had like Mickey and Kate Sumner walking in the show, their Sting's daughters. And they, and I had met them because I was in New York. Uh, I think it was People Magazine had hired me to, to like style like famous daughters or whatever. And that was a few years prior. And we just stayed in touch. Again, it goes back to relationships. Like I just, I keep relationships. Like when you meet somebody that's magic, like why let them go, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I held on to these girls and I'd also held on to like uh, Andy Garcia's daughters. And anyway, they all walked in this 2007 show, and I remember thinking in the, mor- in the morning before the show, I thought, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I know something like crazy is going to happen. And Kate and Mickey, their fathers, very good friends with Dustin Hoffman, and Dustin. I'm also friends with Dustin's son Jake, but I mean, I wasn't like, hey Jake, can you bring your dad to my fashion show? I would never do that. It's just I would never do that. And there I. I see like Dustin Hoffman sitting front row at the show and that was the magic. And he came backstage after the show and he whispered in my ear and he was like, listen, we were going to do an interview. And he was like, listen, uh, they're going to ask me questions and you whisper in my ear and you tell me what to say. And I was like, wait, hold on a second. I'm just trying to like wrap this all together in my head right now. Wait, so you want me to tell you exactly what to say? And he was like, yeah. And it was like a magic special moment that I could have never planned. And I, and I, and I just literally like, I just put all my love forth and, and did what, whatever was put in front of me that I felt like I could do. And that was the magic that happened cut to like, I don't know. It might've been like a couple summers later. Um, Jake and Dustin do this like 4th of July party in Malibu. And Dustin was like behind the bar, like making cocktails, like super amazing guy. And he remembered me and he was like, how's it going? And I was like, you know, fashion business is highs and lows. And he was like, but you wake up and it's all you think about, right? And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, all I think about is clothes and fashion every day, all day long. But it's amazing that, you know, it's somebody else that all, when they, they're so passionate about their craft and when they wake up, that's all they think about. And when you're that when you're that type of an individual, you recognize that in other people and you respect it in other people. So when you see somebody who is so dedicated to their craft and they love it, you love them. You know what I mean? Like, because you relate to them. You're like, yeah, no, I feel you, babe. Like, it's a rough time sometimes, you know? Not many people can say that Dustin Hoffman, you know, whispered in their ear and basically really believed in you. So that's super cool. But I I think, yeah, I mean, I think that when you meet other people who have this kind of passion and drive, it's kind of surreal because sometimes I feel like you kind of wonder, are there other, like, am I crazy? Am I so obsessed with this, with this thing that I can't even explain that, you know, you consider your career. But I feel like you're always kind of reinventing yourself too 100 percent. i mean just ask madonna no, yeah. yeah 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 yeah. you probably did already so you can tell me but i mean how important is that to you 
you know, reinventing yourself and kind of always putting the best new version of yourself forward, even I mean, when things are tough. Literally, like, I, I just, I think that that's what it is. I think that you, you just can't cry over spilt milk is really what it is. Like, you have to just keep pushing forward and, like, knowing that you're on a path and that there's hiccups everywhere. That nothing's smooth sailing. I mean, sure, there's, like, a moment of smooth sailing, and in this era, like, take a picture of it and post it on Instagram maybe, but, like, it's not always that way. You know what I mean? Like, there's rough times, and it's only in those rough times that you really define yourself. You know what I mean? Because if you let that rough time get you down, this might sound super harsh, okay? Okay, I'm going to just tell you, like, Go for my it. motto, okay? Um, Diane Keaton said this. You deserve what you settle for. And if you settle for what you settle for, then that's, that's you. That's, that's your life. That's your world. Like that's, and, so, and so live it up. But you deserve what you settle for in every way. And as somebody who's styled so many celebrities, like you said something just now about social media, I mean, being behind the scenes, you know what that's like, but how much and how often do you see people kind of posting things on social media that aren't entirely what is going on I mean, in it, real life? Okay. <laughs> social media is funny. Like, I, I, I honestly, like, sometimes I, it drives me nuts. It actually has made me a little, like, shy from social media because I know who you know I've been around a long time I've been in the business a long time and I know who's really working I know what people are doing and I'm 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 in the know in a lot of ways and I see things and I'm like no 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 that's not true that's not real come on now and it has actually just it it definitely makes me not want to post it makes and I and I think about like there's so many politics involved and it just makes me like a little like dude no it's funny that you said that because that's what I find too is I'll see things and I'm like that's <laughs> just not that's not what happened yeah, like, you're lying it's like you're lying you're totally full of it yeah and by the way like I could have that app too and I don't use it yeah like everybody knows you're using that app and then they're going to see you in person there's so many there's by the way that's just like one angle there's so many weird fraudulent things about social media that make me not feel it all the way there was like a pivotal point in my own personal social media that I was like no I'm not I'm not going to subscribe just this this nonsense but I know that it's a tool and I know that you can I know it's important and I get all that and I'm and I'm, I post and I'm present in part of it, but I just, I do, I do take a note. And if you, if there's people that you look up to and if you note them on social media, they're very few and far between that they post. They post when it's important and they post when they have a message. They post when, when, when they're moved to post, but they're not like sitting there on their phone posting all the time and blah, 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 blah. It's like. I don't know. And in this industry, I feel like everybody, I mean, everybody knows each other. So, I mean, and it's true. And even in other industries, though, it's kind of the same thing in terms of if you're posting something that is not completely authentic and real to who you are, somebody will catch on and then that will just And be careful because hurt people, your will, reputation. people will literally, like, yeah. rip you apart. Yeah. They will. Like, if you're not being authentic, like, watch your back. Yeah. Because, I don't know, I feel like 
I also feel that Sims from a place where people are very hungry right now and everybody wants to like climb the ladder of like getting up there or whatever that they think that they're climbing to. But you know what I'm saying. Like, it's like, no, you should watch your back because you don't know like who you think you're climbing over. By the way, you don't know what their future is. And I've seen it many times where I'm like, by the way, personally, just me personally, I've had, I don't know, a handful of assistants through the years I've been doing what I do that are like amazingly talented, beautiful, like social media bloggers now that like have huge followings and they're doing great and they, they're amazing. And, and there's also some that I'm like, what, what? are you yeah, doing? It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of survival of the fittest. It is too. survival of the fittest. It's so true. It's so true. And it's stressful, but I mean, I guess if you can climb to the top and be successful in your field and, and keep like your healthy way, exactly, keep your integrity and not lose yourself. Let me tell you, you have to keep your integrity because at the end of the day, you can climb as high as you want, but you have to look at yourself in the mirror at the end of every day and feel good about and what feel you see. good and love yourself. And by the way, if you plan on being a parent along the way, like. You know, I see so many people posting crazy things and I'm like, you know what? Give yourself a few years and you're going to be a parent. And guess what? That lives on the internet and your child's going to see that. And, you know, maybe that's the parent you want to be, you know? Kim Kardashian, we are talking to you. I am talking (laughs) to you. That's what I think when I see your stuff. You mean like when she's like naked? naked? Wait, no, dude. My husband sent me a picture the other day of like her totally yeah I think she blurred her nipples out and I was like you're so obsessed but he was just like in awe of like are you kidding I mean me? how do you how was that even legal you're on a the internet? parent yeah you're a parent you you are and by the way wait by the way hold on not only are you a parent because that's obvious but you're also you're you're a person in the eye that kids are looking up to like like girl same with Kylie being pregnant. That's how I see it. I mean, you're supposed to no, be... No, you're supposed to be like... It's sickening. Like, like take the role that you have, that, that you've been presented with. Like, like, be an outstanding person. Like, show them how you should conduct yourself. But that's the world we live in now, and people who but, are doing nothing oh are God, famous overnight. It's so wrong. Anyway, okay. No, I could, it is. I could, I could, I could literally on. get, like, crazy I right now. Too. Like, girl, pull it together. It is my biggest pet peeve to see people who are not even passionate about anything yet famous overnight. But before I, like, freak out on that specific topic, tell me about your hat line. So you started a line. I'm wearing a hat right now. Joey bought me a hat, and it's so <laughs> cute. And I'm upset. Like, I'm, a, like, a beanie-obsessed person. But how did you get into this line? Okay. So this is just... First of all, it's been, like, very underground. Like, I've been kind of very quiet about it. I have a partner in New York that I work with. Her name is Orit. She's amazing. This, actually, she's just the most incredible Israeli girl that you could ever meet. She's just this light. We met over 10 years ago and we've just stayed friends. And my very best friend had, she's, uh, she had me out in New York with her, I don't know, a couple months ago, like a few months ago, because her husband uh, plays in a band that was playing at the Global Citizens Festival in time in uh, Central Park. And during that time, I was at my hotel one morning, and I, of course, got on Instagram, and I saw that my girl, Orit, was kicking it at the Lower East Side Skate Park. 
And I was like, yo, girl, where, where are you at? What are you doing? And she was like, hello. You know, she's super Israeli. She was like, hello, Joey, come meet me. And I was like, okay, well, I have to be uptown at like four. So I could, I definitely had like an hour that I could squeeze in and get downtown, whatever. Maybe I might've been a little panicked, but I was like, no, I think I do need to go sit at this skate park for a second. So I'm sitting there with her and I looked around, man. And I was like, God, the skate community, these kids, they're not competitive with each other. They lift each other higher. And it, you know, it just took me back to like when I was 15 living in a group home and thinking back to my high school sweetheart that his entire community embraced me. You know, I was like a girl in a group home. It took me back to like the little girl that didn't have a family that was like alone. And I was completely embraced by this community, like wholeheartedly. Right. And I'm sitting there just, this is just a few months ago. I'm sitting there at this skate park with Ori and I'm looking around and I'm like, you know, I was so feverishly pursuing high fashion and I still am like, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's my day job and I'm a fashion stylist, right? Like that's my job, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? Like I'm looking around and I'm like, God, like these kids like love each other. They're like high-fiving each other and supporting each other. And I'm not saying that like when you get into the high fashion community that they don't also support each other because yeah, some personalities do support each other, but there's a lot of personalities that are competitive and it becomes very like stressful and it's not like, I don't know, like it's definitely not like grass to grow in. Do you know what I mean? Of course. So, so I'm sitting there at the Lower East Side Skate Park completely inspired and I'm sitting with Ori and I was like yo girl like why don't we do something really basic like really simple like let's just do some hats and let's give back to the community because that's what that is what I've really experienced like just being just being like around the skate community is it like they just support each other they they and they also lift each other higher and I was like I want to do something like that and I was like, well, why don't we make a hat line? And Ori and I came up with this together. We were just like, let's do something that gives back and let's just do one for one, like one hat and give a hat to the homeless. Like Tom's. Like Tom's, which I know Blake. I, I'm, I've actually styled Blake. <laughs> and so I actually was one of the first people that Blake sat in front of. He came to my office and was like, I have this idea and that was many years ago. And I was like, hmm, that's an interesting platform. But I wasn't there yet because I was still so focused on, mm-hmm. like, being a big-time fashion stylist, you know? Like, that was what my goal was. And, you know, I, Ori and I were just talking. We're like, well, let's do one for one. And then I was speaking to – so I'm still friends with – so when you live in a group home, they have programs where – it's so – so it's like a big sister program, but they – the actual technical term is special friend. Okay. <laughs> so my special friend, my special friend, I'd owed her a call back for like about a month. And I finally returned her call and I was like, hey, Judy, uh, I just, you know, I'm working on this little hat line. I think it's got, a, I think it has legs. Like I, I didn't really want to talk about it too much because I just, we weren't really sure. And we, it was just sort of like a test. We were just like, well, let's just figure out our logo let's figure out the trademark office like like there's very basic things that you need to do before you just like roll out a line 
And she was like, Joey, why are you trying to get back to just like general homeless when you grew up in a children's home and why aren't you working on keeping kids off the street? And I literally was like tears in my eyes, like, because I just needed you to tell me this. Like, like I've been so focused on branding and like launching that I didn't, I didn't think about like, because sometimes when things are so close to you and especially just me specifically, like my personality, like I don't like to like beat a dead horse on that particular topic. So I was thinking, let's just do something broader, you know, but of course I made one phone call to Orangewood and they, I speak there periodically. I go and speak to the kids. They house they um, they probably house over 2,000 kids a year between the ages of newborn to 18. So when I go there and I speak, it's, it's quite overwhelming because I actually go to the physical location that I physically lived in. So there's maybe 100 kids there at a time, maybe. Anyway, it's very emotional. So I didn't, I wasn't quite like putting those obvious pieces together, but when she said it, it just made so much sense. And so when I called my friend there that I've reconnected with, he was like, 100%, we're with you. And what's happened is it's not just a hat, like, yeah, sure, it's a beanie. But Rue, for me, well, Rue in French's street, And that's, I really feel like my core human is on the streets. Like, and I'm so, I I can remember living on the streets like yesterday. It's like vivid. And I can remember feeling hopeless and not knowing what to do. And so for me, and, and my partner actually has a beautiful story as well. But for me personally, Rue is about like, Despite your immediate circumstances, you just you just hold on to your light inside of your heart and you just keep moving forward because nobody can keep you down but you. You know, like, you just do you and you don't listen to anybody because everybody's going to tell you no. Everybody's going to say, you can't do this and no, you can't do that and no, you can't do this. Okay, I'm going to just do a quick story. Do we have time for it? Of course. Okay, so... I'm just going to go back to like my high school sweetheart for a moment who was a a skateboarder as well and a beautiful human. Anyway, I was living in my group home at the time. I wasn't 18, which mean, which meant that I couldn't travel, but his name was Josh. He bought me a plane ticket for, to go to New York to see, to see his family. I forgot why he bought that plane ticket or why that trip was happening. But at the time, the only way for me to get out of my group home was to have a job. So, of course, I had three jobs. Leave it to me, right? I was like, wait, I'm not going to kick it at the group home all day. Like, I was like a hostess at this little, like, place called Vita France in South Coast Plaza Mall. I worked at Blockbuster Video. Like, I just, oh, and then I would, like, answer phones at this modeling agency in Irvine, right? I mean, but the hell was I thinking? I'm five, four, but whatever. In my mind, I was like, no, you can be whatever you want to be. Kate Moss is a waif too. (laughs) So, so anyway, um, Josh bought me a ticket to New York 
And the group home and all the managers of the group home said, no, you're not going to go. You can't go. You're a ward of the court. You're not going to New York. And I was like, who's your boss? <laughs> like, even then, I was like, but, but who, who, who do you answer to? Because I know you're telling me no, but I'm actually going to go to New York. And they were like, well, my case manager, Bob Bird was his name. He was like, um, you're not going to go to New York, but I mean, if you want me, you're going to have to have a court date. And I was like, what do you mean I have to have a court date? They were like, well, you're going to have to go to court and you're going to have to take the system to court to go to New York. And I was like, so schedule the date. Like, fucking book it. <laughs> like, what's the problem? So, by the way, like, I got straight A's. I was in, like, every extracurricular activity in school that I could, anything that could keep me out of the group home. Because, quite frankly, the girls didn't like me there. Like, I, I was, by the way, like, you know, I mean, I, I know that there was other white girls there, but I was definitely, like, one of the only white girls. It was almost like, I don't know, I didn't always fit in. Whatever. I mean, I fit in, but I didn't always really fit in. Whatever. You know, we were all under the same roof, meaning I fit in because we were in the same place. But anyway, so let's go back to when they were like, no, you can't go to New York. And I was like, well, yes, I can. <laughs> so I'm. they literally schedule a court date. I go to like a proper courtroom with a judge. The judge is like going through my school papers he's like seeing that I have all these jobs he sees that Josh already bought the ticket and he was like you have yourself a good time and I went and I was 17 award of the court and flew to New York I mean listen I, I didn't make any like huge accolades while I was there like the the big movement was just accomplishing going but it was just that moment where I was like yeah dude, just try it. Like every people might say no. And by the way, the judge might've said, no, you can't go, but he didn't. He said, you go and girl, you do your thing. You know what I mean? And I feel like you would have gone anyway, even if he said <laughs> not to go. Okay. Well, you're probably right. Probably right. But I mean, even so, I mean, you took a huge leap by going there and risking, I mean, anything that could have happened. I mean, I, I just remember like when I was on the plane, I was like, yes, I mean, yes, yes. this yet. <laughs> but you must have felt empowered. But, yeah, like I a did. girl I boss. Did. And I, I did. I was just like, everything's, it's another moment where you're like, everything's going to be okay. And it's those little, it's those little gains that make you go, no, mm -hmm. keep going, keep mm -hmm. going. And by the way, there's a lot of no's and no's and no's on the other side, but there's so many yeses and every yes makes you dream bigger, you know? You're incredible. Where do you want to see your your hat line and also yourself, but more importantly, the line in you know a year to five years? Uh, well, well, I have a son and he's almost two, so I see myself in the next five years, like growing with him and like experiencing this amazing journey with him because he is just the most magical child. Like I look at him and I can't believe that he's my son. And my husband and I are really lucky because he's just so amazing. Like, it, it, like, it like makes me cry sometimes because he's so special. So that's my number one is my son. And my family is part of that. And as far as the hat line goes, you know, I want Rue Limited to... 
I want it to be a movement. I want to have rue hats like everywhere. Right now we're sold at one shop, one shop in New York called The Shop, D-A-H-S-H-O-P. Uh, so that's cool. It's like a little bicycle shop on the Lower East Side. It's kind of like a dope little spot to start out at, you know? But I just want Rue to, I want kids because honestly, like we're partnering with Orangewood and I want these kids when they get a hat, I want them to feel like, yeah, I'm here right now, but don't let this define me. I want them to know that like you can do anything you want, man. You, you can be the biggest, the biggest light in the world or you can't, or you can dim yourself so dark that nobody sees you. It's a choice and you make it like, like that's the thing about life and opportunity is that you really have to choose to accept opportunity because a lot of people get opportunities handed to them and they just don't, don't take the opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they don't see it. And I, and I want, I want when the kids get these hats because it's one for one so every hat sold so every time I send a box of hats to this children's home well first of all I'm going to be going there and talking to them often I just I just want them to be like yes I want them to get it and be like yes I can do this and like this is just a momentary lapse in time like I'm just here for now like and by the way, like soak it up because those are adults that are giving you their time to like help you. But the issue is a lot of times when you're in that mental space, when you live in that home and that's the thing that they, so, so I know because I've gone back and spoke to the, I've gone on speaking engagements to the kids. Like I know that they, they fight you. Like they want to be like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Cause they're angry and they're hurt and they're, their hearts are full of pain because they're living in a bad situation. But like, I, I just want them to understand that like, you can't tell me that I can't understand because I've been exactly, literally geographically, exactly where you're at. And it's a choice, man. Like, like do, do, do what you want. Like live your life like do not let your immediate circumstance define you like live outside of the box and just be like a huge light and by the way if you can inspire other people along the way do it do it because that will be the most gratifying thing you can do I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about with the feeling of going and talking to somebody and feeling like you can actually impact their life and them being like, you can't, and you're like, but I can't. I have a nonprofit on social media and mental health, and I go to these inner city schools, like kind of where I grew up, and I talk to them about body image and social media. I love you too. You're so sweet. Um, and I, I know what you mean. And it's like, you do what you do and you do what you do, even though it's stressful, probably, I assume incredibly stressful to pay your bills and to live the kind of life you want to live, live, but also because it enables you to do what you want on the side, which is your side hustle, which is this company, which is your hat line, which is going and giving these engagements to these kids that you're probably not even paid to do. No, but not, you do no, it not because even. yeah, no, I'm not there's paid for any of it. <laughs> no, but you you do it because you're a true, genuine person who wants to change the world. And I cannot thank you, thank you enough because there are not enough people out there who are willing to do that kind of work and share your story so honestly like you have so thank you so much I don't think there's anything I feel like I've covered your I whole feel like life covered it. story you are probably the best 
interview I think that I've ever had on like 15 episodes of this of this podcast. So you are wow, thank you. A story and a journey, and I think that you are a true um, inspiration for people to know what it's like to make your life what you want it to be. Um, so where can we find you? Even though you're not really on social media, you like kind of are. But where can we find you and your um, and your hats and your platforms? Well, I'm my handle is Joey Tierney, and I. I my website is actually up again <laughs> and that's just joeytierney.com and where um is any other stores we can find the hat right now we're just at to shop okay. and we're launching our website it's probably gonna go live in like three days okay and where you can buy it online but right now you can call the shop and they'll and that immediately up. when you buy a hat it gives back to immediately 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 right? I mean, and maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, more yeah. than one. A little no. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe That's a fine. little more. But, um, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being yes, here. I'm so excited. Sure. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you truly enjoyed this. This is my absolute favorite episode. So I think if you guys are listening, you're probably thinking the same thing. But uh, make sure to check Joey out on social media and follow her incredible journey. And make this an episode that truly shows you that you can come from nothing and become whatever you want your life to be. Because she's shown it. I've shown it. You can do whatever you want. So have an incredible rest of your week. And make sure to follow. This is Life Unfiltered on social media as well as myself, which is at Alexa underscore Curtis. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye.